0: y'all, it's time for another episode of Rowing Dice and Taking Names. The guys didn't get to play any games together the past couple weeks. I think it was too many Mountain Dews. So Donna and I came to the rescue. Donna will talk with Tony about Meeple Land and I joined Marty to review Umbra via The guys also spotted a few flying squirrels to share with us.
1: Welcome back to another riveting episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number two, two, two. Can't promise that it'll get any better than episode two, two, one, which was amazing. I'm Tony.
2: Oh, and the show must go on. That's the name of this one, Marty. Holy cow. Uh, Riveting. Okay, sure. Won't be better than last episode with Sarah. Totally agree. And uh, yeah, this is Marty. Show must go on. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. We got to be duplicating show names now, right? We had to have done that one. Oh, I'm sure we
1: have, but I thought it was very appropriate. I mean, after our interview with, with Sarah, I was like, there is no way that we can keep going on. That was just an amazing interview. I could have talked to her for another three hours and just about the biology stuff. And I was like, we should end it. But no, the show must go on, and we are back recording again.
2: <laughs> well, I was actually going to say, Tony, I didn't know if he was going to come on with an announcement saying that this might be your last episode, because I assume a couple of weeks ago, you probably had enough forethought to jump in and buy some GameStop stock, right? Of course I did, man. I am a proud owner of no GameStop. None.
1: Zero. Zilch. I don't, I don't play the market. And I am so glad that we have Nate uh, explaining things to me because I never saw the movie, which by the way, is not, they were saying that the wolf on wall street and, um, what was it? Short sale? What was it? The- so there's the big short, the big short. That's the one mm-hmm.
2: to me though. My movie is I relate it to is trading places, uh, with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, because what happens at the end of that movie, how they, they screw over the two older guys, mm-hmm. uh, is basically kind of what happened here.
1: Did anybody really get screwed over? I mean, the GameStop thing has been on national news.
2: Yeah, and here, here's the thing. This thing, as we're recording this, this is in flux, right? Mm -hmm. So by the time this comes out, this totally could be resolved. Yeah, the people that got messed up were the hedge fund owners, basically, who were being attacked early on. I mean, they lost billions. Who knows? Maybe now everything's fixed and everything like that. So yeah, people did get kind of messed up over this. But what I loved about this, and, and I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, this person's right, this person's wrong, et etc. What I think is super interesting is that so many people all of a sudden were like, what is going on and kind of educating themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things I didn't know a lot about. I've always heard the name hedge fund manager. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant. So I went and did some research and learned them all and go, oh, that's what selling short means. I'd heard that. I never knew what it meant. So I just think, regardless of whether you got into this or anything like that, I think just the, pe- the fact that people are getting educated in how the market works is just good for everyone. Absolutely, beyond what the movies tell us. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Just to see what really happens in everyday life and what happens on Wall Street and then how <laughs> these guys in a, a Reddit forum who probably were very good at one time, like managing World of Warcraft raid nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed to do to pull this off. Well, uh, Wall
1: Street, another good good movie. I did see that, but mm-hmm. every one of those that I watched, yes, I never really followed it because I didn't pay a lot of. T- I didn't understand how that worked, and I'm just like, okay, I'm still not understanding. So Nate explained it very well to me, and I got to use that analogy with um Donna. Okay, so what was that analogy? So Nate basically said, so Tony, let's say I want to. Sell
2: you three. Hold on. What are you explaining there? You're, you're explaining short. The selling short. The selling short. Yes, yes
1: selling short. Yep. He goes. I'm going to sell you three copies of Madden NFL. However, I don't own three copies of Madden NFL. So I'm going to actually get Marty's three copies of Madden NFL, and I'm going to promise Marty I will pay him for those three copies later. Just just later, and we're going to agree to whatever the price is on later. That's what I'm going to pay. But I'm going to sell them to you now at market value. Okay, that sounds good to me, Nate. I'm not out. I'm going to give you some money. So Nate's hoping that later the market value of Madden is going to be way down. And that Madden number uh, year 22 comes out. Not 21, but 22. That They're going to release the new version. And Marty is going to end up sitting there. Well, you know, I guess I can only charge you $10 for it, but you paid 20 for each. I mean, you know, I paid 20 and you lose out. But Nate, on the other hand, makes money.
2: So, Tony, you are so
1: close Am I? You are
2: so w- close. What am I missing? Because I knew I, I might be missing just a little bit. Here's what you're missing, and oh my gosh, we're going to be paying out five dollars all over the place. Let's just put a cad right here. We have no idea what we're talking about, so we're <laughs> <I, I, I, laughs> not. This is education. We're trying to learn. This is education. We're trying to learn here. So who's the one selling to who? Nate selling to you? And he bought. And he bought your copies, but he's going to pay okay, you later. No, he didn't. He didn't buy the copies for me. He's borrowing my three copies of Madden. Okay. Okay. He's borrowing my three copies. He's turning around, taking those three copies and they're 10 bucks a piece. And he's selling them to you for 30 bucks. Okay. I hope these things go up in price. Dad gummit. They drop down to five bucks a piece. I don't want these anymore. Nick comes back and says, fine, I'll buy those three copies off of you for $5 a piece or 15 bucks. Wow. Uh, so Tony, you lost mm. $15. Nate makes $15. He turns around and takes those three copies and gives them back to me. Marty, here's your three copies back.
1: Oh, okay. That's the step I'm missing. I got
2: you. Yeah. Now, what was confusing to me is why would I even lend the copies of the games? Mm-hmm. So then I read those are brokers that basically they charge commission. They get interest. So they're making money off the interest and commission of actually letting you borrow the, the shares. Okay. Once again, the copies.
1: that's why I work at a utility. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Donna handles the finances I don't so that's one of those things I'm like okay you got this
2: and so like I said every time I watch Trading Places Mm -hmm. I always have to go to the internet afterwards to go okay I don't understand so the actual report for the frozen orange juice concentrate was actually (laughs) that it was a bumper crop but they forged the report and made the older brothers think it was a bad you know I gotta run through this whole step but basically it was all these projections of what they think was going to happen the I believe the older brothers were basically trying to sell short because they knew the the value was going to drop. No, If there was going to be a a bad market, then they knew the price was going to go up because there wasn't going to... Oh, I see what you're saying. Now, never mind. I'm going to shut up. You're correct. I was saying it backwards, but I will shut up at this one. The fact is, I always have to go back and read how the end of that movie really works. One of my favorite things that has happened since then... Are the memes all the memes
1: <laughs> and i think about the video that ryan george came out with recently about the memes the bernie sanders meme yeah.
2: oh my gosh <laughs> and he's talking about, you know which one i'm talking was, about though. <laughs> no, exactly. so tony and i are huge fans of ryan george he's the one that if you ever watch uh uh screen screen rants, screen rants. uh he does he does the weekly series about you know uh Movie pitches, oh, oh yes, uh, uh, screen pitches. But anyway, he has his own channel, and he did a thing for the uh, basically how memes have changed over the year. Like seven, eight years ago, memes would last for weeks, and now basically they last twenty four hours and they're over. Yeah, it's like okay,
1: yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yeah, whenever. <laughs> and then have you cut it? Have you done anything? Have you done anything? No, 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 no. it's over.
2: Oh my god, it's only
1: been f- five <laughs> seconds. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hey, even I, the the Bernie Sanders meme was really good. But honestly, by the next day, it's like, okay, I've seen them all. Stop. (laughs) You know, I was tired of it. And here I am like, there's why why is this this funny? I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know. It was just a funny pose and everything. And all of a sudden, everybody sticks it in every picture and every movie clip that you possibly can.
1: But I thought for sure, you know, the show must go on. I put down $10 on Mega Millions. So that's another reason why
2: I picked the song. Okay. The show. Okay. So uh, if you didn't buy the game and it's so funny, so many people are calling or saying GameStop. No, they're not saying GameStop stock. And it's like, please stop. By the way, I just, I, (laughs) I love GameStop. Uh Unfortunately, they are kind of going away. So it was a reason why they were targeted to sell short and everything. And I actually went to a GameStop today and it's still nostalgia for me, but it's, I, I just miss those days. I like I, ha- I had that picture that pops up every year on Facebook for when StarCraft 2 came mm-hmm. out, and you and I were at the midnight release. Mm-hmm. And I got a picture of us in GameStop. Anyway, I thought that was cool. So anyway, so you didn't buy GameStop stock, mm-hmm. but you bought into the Mega Millions. So will there be another show after this one? Well, of course there will, because I don't live in Michigan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a Kroger. Or I mm-hmm. think that's where it was. That doesn't matter. But, oh, man... I. I don't. I do not buy lottery tickets. Me either. I bought Powerball recently and Mega Millions because they were so high. And I mean, if you don't play, you can't win. And it's true. And so I. It's like one hundred percent of short putts never go in. Absolutely. You darn right. Look at you with the with the sports ball analogy. I'm liking that. So yeah, and I'm like, so I bought the Mega Millions. Went to work the next day and I'm like, well, maybe this will be my last day at work. Don's like, well, what would we do with this money? You know how you play that game. I'm like, I know one thing I'm doing, I'm opening a game store. Cause it doesn't matter if it sucks or not. <laughs> Marnie and I will be set for life. I'll be paying him off always. You know, here it is. We'd be figuring this uh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You'll be set. I'll just have to be working for you. Uh, we'll figure something out. We'll, I'll sell you short. <laughs> no, that's not right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm always being sold short. So let me ask you, do you, before you finish your yeah. story. So you're like me, right? I, every, I buy, last time I bought a Powerball it was like over a year ago, but you get it. And then your mind goes there, mm-hmm. right? You do the the what if it's fun to dream it's unrealistic but it is fun to dream so anyway go ahead
1: absolutely and that's what we were talking about but so the numbers came out the powerball i got no numbers out of five tickets none zip zero Mm. zilch this one i got the mega million powerball so i got two dollars so i spent ten and i got two back (laughs) And and the guy asked me, he says, well, you want to buy a scratcher or anything like that? I'm like, no, give me my $2. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: lost money. (laughs) Speaking of which, I have a little bit of a rant here. I have a little bit of Grumpy Marty. Can we make it a regulation or rule or law somewhere that if you have a convenience store... And you're going to sell lottery tickets and cigarettes that you must dedicate one line to cigarettes and lottery tickets so that when I walk in to get my big old 99 cent drink, I could just go and pop up 99 cents on the counter and walk out and not have to wait for this guy to order six tickets, three of those, four of those, five of those, and give me a hard pack of Marlboros. It takes forever ever. And I always get behind that person. As soon as they look over to the lottery tickets, oh crap. And then I'm going to sit there and stare at them. I think I'll take it. It doesn't matter. You're losing money anyway.
1: I just want to get my drink and walk out the store. See, this is what I always told you. Mine... Circle K
2: near me, they would look at me and say, just go on. Is that all you're getting? Just walk. Just leave. Oh, then I need to move near you because my Circle K doesn't. I don't care about having to pay for it. It's just like, Mm -hmm. literally, it's 99 cents. I just want to get my drink and leave. So anyway, I have actually seen some convenience stores when, like this chance, this thing here with the Powerball American Means is huge. They will have another person saying this is for lottery tickets only, which is nice.
1: I've never, I've never done a scratcher or anything like that. So, but once again, when the Powerball and Mega Millions pops the 500 million mark, I got a feeling I'll be dropping $10 going in there and quick pick, quick pick, quick pick, quick pick. And just but in out.
2: theory, mm-hmm. in theory, shouldn't you be doing it when it's like, you know, 60, 70 million because less tickets have been bought and your odds are higher? No, it's not about odds like
1: that. It's odds because they're numbers. It's not like they're picking my ticket from a drawing.
2: Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. See, see I'm so illiterate on this. You're, you're right. It's just a series of numbers, right? Yeah. It's just that you have a greater chance of splitting it with somebody if, if yes, you get the big one. absolutely. Because more people, you would have to split. But that guy in Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, wherever they were that, who didn't have to be named – didn't have a split squat. I guess since I use trading places for teaching me how the stock market works, I guess I need to watch, you know, some sort of lottery movie to teach me how that works. I wouldn't even know which, where there is one. <laughs> I, I don't know. Either. I, I remember there was the one, it was like a rom-com about the waitress who won like a lottery oh, ticket Nicholas Cage. Yeah.
1: Wasn't it Nicolas Cage in that movie?
2: You're going to end up costing $5. I don't know. <laughs> I, there's
1: a question mark. Whenever there's a question mark does not mean that I'm stating it for fact. I'm, uh, God, I thought it was a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, the waitress, he agreed to split it with her or something like that. Yeah, that one's been a while since I've seen that.
2: It could happen to you
1: mm-hmm. with Nicolas Cage. There you go. I'm not usually good on my movies and actors, but sometimes I do remember a few of them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, also the show must go on because, well, this past week we did not get a chance to play games because somebody wasn't feeling well and and he missed game
2: night, but that's all right. It was not a COVID related no. scare.
1: Mm-hmm, it was not.
2: But that's all right though. You and I have backup plans. Always. We play with our wives. We play games with our wives and they're so nice to sit down and, and uh, play a game with us and we're recording this on what happens to be uh, my birthday and so uh, Vanessa said you know it's your birthday I'll sit down and play a game with you <laughs> <laughs> We played UmbraVia by Pandasaurus Games. She said she really liked it and because of that she'd play it again. And actually, uh, we're going to record a segment. And so we'll, that will be coming later on the show. And you and Donna are doing something together, right? Yes, we have. Game called Meeple Land.
1: Mm. So we will be talking it's from Blue Orange and it is it's tile lane. It's got some unique aspects about it. Didn't hear a whole lot, you know, about this game. So I'm excited that we'll get that on there. And I will say this. She she loves it.
2: She likes that game a lot. It's a very light game, but it's a good game. Interesting. This um, is is also a tile laying game. So people get to hear about two different tile laying games this episode.
1: And she also took today because we were supposed to get on your birthday. We were supposed to get snow, rain, sleet, ice. And I was on calls with the company. But... She also played fleet, the dice game. So we're not going to talk about that. You and I are going to discuss that
2: in a little bit, but did you have a good birthday, sir? Uh, yes, I did. So, uh, Vanessa always ask, what kind of cake do you want for your birthday? And typically, I like a a strawberry cake. And I said, you know what? Recently, Brett had his birthday in December. He wanted a strawberry cake. I said, you know what? I've always loved a good pound cake. She said, I have never tried a pound cake. So she got the ingredients and everything and found a good recipe that included things like cream cheese and sour cream to make it nice and moist. She did an amazing job. I just had a thick piece of it. And I I had to give some to my parents. I sent some to their home so they could have it. We're freezing half of it because otherwise I would just sit there and nom, nom, nom the whole thing. She did an amazing job. I love a good pound cake. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a thing about pound
1: cakes. They're sad. And what that means is, and she may already know this, is that a sad pound cake is one that may not be all the way done when it comes out. And it's kind of like resting meat. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's r- really moist. Now, did she use sun drop? No, I did not know about this. Sundrop. You can have a sun drop pound cake. Oh yeah, there's all kinds. Not a cheer wine, but a sun drop. Okay. So, I was going to say there's got to be a cheer wine. Well, I'm sure you can add cheer wine, sun drop, anything you want to it. I mean, there's Coca-Cola cake. I wouldn't make it a pound cake. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you this, sir, on your Facebook page, every year <laughs> I will post that picture of you for your birthday. Dude, where did you find that? Oh, I still
2: have all my college pictures in my um, album up here. Have you shared that one before? I'm sure I have. I Because I don't remember it at all. And I showed Vanessa. <laughs> and, of course, people are like, we, we can't see what you're talking about. It's me just sitting there, I guess, in your dorm room mm-hmm. at NC State freshman year. I think that was one of the first times I've ever met you. Yeah, because, I mean, I was wearing <laughs> these really black, dark sunglasses <laughs> And Vanessa's like, the first thing she asked, why are you wearing sunglasses indoors? I'm going, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't ask my 18-year-old self why there he's wearing sunglasses with the Panama Jack sleeveless t-shirt. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Vanessa's laughing. She brought Adam here. She got to see this. And Vanessa said, that's all 80s right there. <laughs> what about the watch the time or whatever the digital watch you have oh my gosh yes the the, the, (laughs) ghost wow wow i i did download a copy of that because i i do not that was funny that was that was a good one so
1: yes every year it will be on on your page just because i have it and i'm not going to pull up any of the um albums or anything like that from the the wedding because they're not as close as that one so yeah. so and our, our other roommate, um, and you, he was your roommate our freshman year, um, Bruce, you know, mm-hmm. I got I got one of him, but um, his birthday
2: is tomorrow, but February 1st, but he's not on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. And so he always sends me a digital card every year, and I need to actually have one sent to him tomorrow. So it's really interesting that uh, my birthday is January 31st, his is January 1st, and yours is January 7th. February 7th, so it's funny. All within a week of each other. Or try again February 8th. One of those days is correct. February 8th. I can't even remember. It's like seven or eight days after. The importance is you're older than me. That's the important thing, yes. And typically, typically, we always try to do a big birthday gaming weekend get-together, but with junk, we couldn't do it this year. So hopefully next year, we're going to have a big birthday weekend gaming bash. Oh, yeah. We're going to blow it out next year. For your birthday,
1: I did play a game that we received called Fleet the Dice Game, second edition, number two. Mm -hmm. So it's a rolling, right? Mm -hmm. Now Fleet the Dice Game is, i had heard a whole lot about this. Now, I don't know if you had heard, everybody talks about just how good it is.
2: Yes, I, I have heard amazing things about it, but never played it. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. When I was playing with Donna at
1: as I was explaining it to her, cause you know it's always knowing where the combos are in a dice roller, knowing uh, a rolling right that you need to do this that'll get you this, and how do you continue to combo? Once you might make one mark, you want to be able to have forty marks to follow up with it, right? And so that's one of the tricks you have to do and learn in this game, and it really is well laid out. I like how you're rolling two sets of dice. I enjoy the fact that you've got a fishing fleet going out trying to get mm-hmm. licenses and boats. And the victory points of getting fish or building buildings or having in-game scoring options, all that is in there. And you have some v- very tough choices. For Donna, she enjoyed it a lot. After we got past the third, fourth round, because in the beginning she was, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I don't know what I need to be doing. And I said, well, it's like any game. We'll play it again later. And she was like, yeah, but it's just not coming to me. And one of her biggest things was, she would forget that she had certain licenses selected, which give you those bonuses. And so I was trying to remind her. I said, well, it's a process. It's a flow chart. It's you. All right, we're doing this event. Check each of your licenses and see if that's going to be active. And she's like, oh, I understand. And and as we kept playing it, she's like, you killed me. I said, well, let's see what the final score was. I only beat her by two. She goes, it's not as bad as I thought. And I said, I didn't think it would be. So I'm hoping it's going to continue to be a tight game. So hopefully you and I will play it and then we can do a full review if we wanted to, but The second edition, they did a great job of streamlining some of the rules. The dice are amazing. The score sheets are amazing. I have some special power cards in there, I believe, that I haven't looked at. So I'm looking forward to getting that on the table. But another rolling right. Imagine that, Marty.
2: Another rolling right, but I'm seeing them start to diminish. Yeah, except that the makers of the rolling right you just played Fleet the Dice game is coming out with a new game on Kickstarter, Three Sisters. Uh, that's going to be coming out, I believe it's in, in March. Uh, we got a prototype of this game, Tony. So the next time we get together, I'd love to play this with you. So we can do a preview for the Kickstarter mm-hmm. and then you can compare the two because I'm sure people will be wondering, well, you know, how's this different fleet, the dice game and three sisters is it's a backyard farming rolling, right? And three sisters is named after the indigenous agricultural technique of uh, where three different crops Like pumpkin, corn, and beans are planted close together. And I'm just reading from BGG. Corn provides a lattice for beans to Mm -hmm. climb. The beans bring in the oxygen from the air into the soil. And the squash provides a natural mulch ground cover, helping to reduce weeds and keep pests away. So that's the theme of the game. Uh, That's why it's called Three Sisters. Because when I saw Three Sisters and and saw the, the cover was pumpkins and... Beans, I'm like, what? So that's what it is. So anyway, got a prototype of it, so we'll be getting it to the table sometime soon to do a preview. Well, that's pretty cool because you're right. Because corn grows early,
1: beans grow summer, and squash grows late. So that's Mm -hmm. oh,
2: well, once again, just learned something. Amazing. So Matt Riddle reached out to me. He said, "I know y'all don't do a lot of Kickstarter previews, which we don't." But I said, no, I've heard too many good things about this, Matt. We, we would love to check it out. Plus, Tony loves rolling rights. And he said it's more of a heady, more of a thinky Euro-y type rolling right, which I'm interested mm-hmm. in, too. And uh, also, I got a preview coming out uh, later, too, from uh, Chris Handy, who made the little Handy mm-hmm. gumstick uh, games. Uh, it's called Long Shot. I played it uh, with my family last night. It's a rolling right based on a horse racing game. You got horses on a track. It's kind of like downforce, but a rolling right. because these horses are going to roll some dice and the horse is going to start moving around the track. You have different actions that you can take. You can place bets. Uh, you can try to uh, own one of the horses, which will help you at the end if it places. So again, when you play it, it's like, wow, this has a very downforce feel. But it plays in 20 minutes and it's a strict roll and write. So I need to bring that to you sometime too and see what you think of that. So Long Shot was a board game. This is Long Shot the Dice game.
1: The di- that's what I was saying that's, that's what it's called. Yep. Yeah. I'll call, so I've always wanted to play that. And I know Mark has that game, but he never will bring it off the shelf. He's, he's very stingy. I've played it. You have? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. You enjoyed that game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, from a dice game standpoint, Donna has always enjoyed Knock Mall and Twice as Clever, Three Times as Clever, well, there's Cube now, I can't keep them all straight in my head. I was... Very interested in see how she would react to Fleet the Dice Game, because I knew that it was one of those that was going to require you to keep track of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was yep. just like, okay, how is she going to fit this in? How is she going to
2: enjoy this? Because she loves her, her rolling rights. Absolutely roll, loves her rolling rights. <laughs> and I guess it's just the season for Kickstarters. So I got introduced to another new game uh, that's coming out in March from the Sadler Brothers. Mm. It's called Lasting Tales, and uh, this is from their uh, publishing company, but it is designed by Mark Latham. So Tony, imagine this. Imagine merging a miniatures game and like D&D together, and this is uh, what this is. You know many times when we play D&D, we may like good little figures Mm -hmm. and maybe a grid-based map in order to keep track of where the figures are and everything like that. That's exactly what we're doing or what they're doing here with Lasting Tales. This is a campaign-style game. You create a character. They have stats like they do in D&D. When you take your turn, you can take a couple different actions, but your actions are very miniatures-based. You have a tape measure that you move so many inches. You can do climbing. You jump over things. There's obstacles you can attack. and When you attack, your, your weapons have a certain stat. Again, just like D&D, it's a D6-based system. Uh, There's magic. There's some different resources you have to manage. So I read through the entire rulebook, version one of the rulebook, because I'm in their uh, Kickstarter page where they're doing some playtesting on it. It looks really good. I mean, it really does feel... It's co-op, by the way. It's 100% co-op. I was like, oh, co-op games like this, kind of like a dungeon crawler. How's the AI work? Sometimes the AI system can be very very bogged down. Nope, it's really straightforward. When the monsters move, it's very specific rules. If they happen to see you, they're going to move towards you. If they can't see you, they're going to move towards an objective or maybe a treasure chest. And uh, just like uh, when you dungeon delve, if you go up to a treasure chest, you have to do a skill check to see if you can open Open the chest it's just a really cool mesh to me it seems like between a miniatures game and a an RPG. And the miniatures they're going to be using is from the line that they their Saddler Brothers have out right now. Really detailed uh, minis that are pre-assembled. So they're going to be using those same miniatures as a fantasy-based game. So you can be able to get those miniatures, be able to paint them up and everything. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be coming out in March. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot about it. I think it's going to be a big deal for them.
1: Well, they're already asking for my money on Freedom 5. They sent me my pledge manager and I got to decide. I mean, I I did what you do. Well, sometimes you know, throw them a bone to decide whether or not i want to continue with this so i've got to do that i gotta i gotta sell something so i can afford this because i want that it's a saddler enjoy the saddlers you know enjoy their games yes but that will be my 2022 surprise when it finally gets arrived
2: (laughs) you know yeah so uh so right off the bat i mean here we are we're talking about man we never do a lot of kickstarter previews and And here I i have got two we're going to play and then another one I'm currently checking out. There's just uh, some good stuff coming out. But, uh, you know, I like all the people that's doing those games. So uh, that's why I'm interested in it. But that goes to show you, I mean, how many games came out in
1: 2020? Was it a lot of Kickstarters? I mean, we we asked about this for um, Old Man Mafia with, with Steven and Justin. We think the sales were up. We even without Kickstarter, we know people were going out buying them. People were asking me what game should I
2: get? What game should I get? Tony, it's funny that you should say that. I wonder why I would say that. <laughs> because NPD just released their annual pre-toy fair report. Now, every year there's always a toy fair, right? But there's not gonna be one this year. But they always release how previous years sales went. So get this. In 2020, game sales were up 29% over sales in 2019. Sales of games outperformed the toy category as a whole, which grew a whopping 16% for the year. There's two periods when they spiked one in May, as government relief payments were distributed in October as Amazon and other retailers begin heavy price promotions in an early kickoff of the holiday season. And you can go check this out, everybody. We did, had a good long talk on uh, YouTube and our Twitch channel, uh, talking with Stephen Bonacore and Justin Jenkins Restoration Games. We talked about how do you think 2020 went? Well, it went obviously well, and we all Predicted. Why? Because we're sitting at home. There's nothing to do. Well, let's go buy board games and puzzles. I mean, we know
1: that in talking with Robinsberger, they they sold out. They sold through their puzzle inventory at Amazon. How in the world do you sell through a puzzle inventory? But they did. So
2: yeah, big year from, from the puzzle standpoint. I mean, and games. People were bored. And even though maybe a lot of games were pushed back because of production, well, there's still thousands and thousands of games on the shelf that people wanted to get by and check out. And continuing in this report, it says online sales, including curbside and in-store pickup, grew much faster than brick-and-mortar sales in 2020, with online sales going from 23% to 33%. So that means last year, a third of all games were bought online. So when I read that, I was like, what do they mean by uh, curbside sales? To me, means you went to a brick-and-mortar, and they just brought the thing out to you. So I agree. I don't, to me, that's a brick-and-mortar sale, but I guess... What they're saying is you go online to order it, but then mm. you go in person to pick it up. I guess that's what they mean. Okay. Because I didn't make, I still did a brick and mortar buy. That's what I would do. Yeah. I drive by, I throw it at me. It's just the fact is you went from basically less than 25% to basically a third now of all sales are online. And that's probably why it's just going to keep going. I mean, we talked about you know GameStop earlier. Why is GameStop hurting? Because now many, many, many people buy their brand new games online and never have to walk into a store and buy a disc. You and I, though, we want our little
1: disc or cards. You know, you and I don't like the download I digital.
2: And here, here's the thing. My sons do not like digital. Maybe if it's a little eShop game, but if they're buying a game that they're interested in, they will buy the physical version because they're into buying retro games. So Adam decided to take a bunch of these games that the boys have been buying over the years and... Create a spreadsheet and look up their values. Over three thousand five hundred dollars wow. we have in games that they've been collecting over the years, and they've all gone up in value. Like, uh, so one of Travis's prized possessions was a couple of years ago he bought Fire Emblem Path of Radiance that came out on GameCube. I believe it was Path of Radiance. If not, that's not five dollars, as I'm catching it right now. Um, <laughs> that he bought for hundred twenty bucks. Now it's three hundred fifty dollars. Get this: a few years back. Just for nostalgia, I bought Eternal Darkness that was on GameCube. I saw it in a used game store for like 30 bucks. It's now 75 dollars.
1: Well, see, I got rid of almost everything except my useless Xbox 360 games.
2: Yeah, those aren't worth anything. It's the GameCube games and old DS games because a lot of those games never came out on another system and the only way they can be played is is on also, and that's why you see people going to the grid. Do you know what the grid is? Basically, it's the uh, Goodwill electronic store. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. I used to do that all the time. You know, we would talk about that. We talked about it a couple, like three years ago on the episode where I would go and start searching that for um, board games. Trying to pick up board games that the people
2: would just take in, like trying to get a copy of Cam or something like that. Yeah. So people are going to places like that and picking up old GameCubes and then they're wanting to go back and play these old games and everything. And, and like I said, GameCube DS games are just are just going up, especially those that haven't ever been re-released. Uh, like uh, my son is really, really big into Castlevania and he wants Aria of sorrow. That's on the DS, but it's, you know, it's pushing a hundred dollars now. That's ridiculous. And what makes me sick is I had all those. Mm -hmm. You probably had a lot of those. And then what do you do? It's like, well, I'm done. I'm going to trade it in typically at GameStop (laughs) and get some money and buy another game. So that's why I do not buy digital now because Physical still may have some value later on down the road when Switch shuts down its eShop and all of a sudden that game I wanted to play, you can no longer get unless you got the physical cartridge. To the point is, I remember trading
1: in various GameCube games that I could have played on the Wii, like I traded in Mario Kart and Mario Party. And then when Rebecca said, Well, I want to play that, what did you do with it? And I said, Well, I sold it back because you know, I didn't we weren't playing it. We weren't playing the Wii. And she goes Uh well fine can you buy it again I said sure I'll buy it and so she had the Wii I was like this costs as much as I did when I bought it ten
2: years ago this is ridiculous because you couldn't get it yep some of the GameCube games I did keep I did happen to keep Mario Kart Double Dash and that's like an eighty dollar game now ridiculous I know I love it (laughs) so so I'm I'm with you man it's like if it's coming out in physical if it's something I think I'm gonna play and keep out and here's the thing like I'm holding right now. Immortal Phoenix Right. Mm-hmm. I just got the box over here, stuff like this. I could easily download this on digital, but you know what? And I'll probably never sell this now. Mm. But here's the thing. I could make some money. That's another thing about digital. Is I can't trade it away or do anything with it. Right. At least here I could put it on eBay and make some money back. Absolutely. I went and
1: looked, and the only GameCube game I have is Tales of Symphonia. That's it. So I have no idea. Oh, these discs are T tiny. You <laughs> remember that <laughs> no I didn't obviously when I opened it up and I had two of these I hope Rebecca still has the Wii I don't know she needs to have that the rest of the stuff you know you make me look at it let's see what we got I've got a Gears of War 2 for the Xbox 360 I got Burnout Paradise which I now have on the Switch I've got Red Dead Redemption which I've never played I've got oh a Lynx for Xbox that can play on mine and then I have Borderlands 2 which has never been open. And then um, I have, oh, look at this. I've got the Skyrim Legendary copy
2: for the Xbox 360 still in shrink. (laughs) You're playing it on the Switch. So I just looked up Tales of Symphonia for the GameCube is uh, you have it in the box, right? Mm -hmm, I have it in the
1: box. It's in the box. See it right there. 30 bucks. Figures. It's like buying a Mega Millions ticket.
2: I got $2. $2. Well, $30, bu- I mean, that's that's pretty good for holding its value after all this time. And I'm actually in the market for a, a Pokemon red cartridge. I need to buy a Pokemon red cartridge. I, I, wa- I want one. It makes me, I wish I had known all those years ago to, ah, never mind. Absolutely. Because a Pokemon red cartridge with the box goes for like $80 to 100 bucks. So I'm just going to have to buy it loose for 30 bucks, 30 to $40. And I kept all my boxes in pristine condition and all the paperwork that goes with it. That's just the way I always was. So my 3DS, I have like two
1: 3DS games. Oh, this is unreal. This is a board game show, Marty. (laughs) Well, I know. <laughs> so can they tell that we didn't get a chance to play this week?
2: We talked about a few board games. I mean, uh, we got uh, we got a couple of reviews coming up, like we said, with uh, with our wives. You're going to be hearing that. And we got a Flying Squirrels coming uh, segment coming up, too.
1: When are we going to do that? Can we do it soon? Because I want to talk about Miniature Market. Well, the long winter is setting in, it's gonna be cold outside. You don't wanna go out there, you don't wanna freeze. You're better off just staying inside and playing a board game, maybe something new. And in order to do that, why don't you head over to miniaturemarket.com. If you go over to miniaturemarket.com, it'll deliver. You don't even have to get in the car. Order your game, I'll have it to you in no time. Shoot! Why don't you order $100 worth and it's free shipping? Go over there every day and look at what sales are going on. They're clearancing stuff all the time over there. Cuz all you got to do is go over to their menu and go board games clearance. You'll see it. It's right there. You know there's a game you want. You know it. Plain and simple. Go over to miniaturemarket.com. <laughs> I know, I think this is so funny. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I think I'm done. Oh, and if you want to play by yourself, I'm sure (laughs) miniaturemarket.com has a game, a solo play, kind of like one that I'm going to be talking about in the squirrels here. You never do know. And if you didn't catch it, that's at miniaturemarket.com.
0: It's time for Frying Squirrels two minute discussions on topics that have our attention.
2: For now.
3: Now here's something we hope you'll really like.
2: It's been a while, but it's time for another Flying Squirrels. In this segment, Tony and I are going to be talking about very specific topics. The thing is, though, we only have two minutes to do it in. Tony, are you ready to let loose some flying squirrels? You know, I am, but a neighbor of ours is
1: babysitting a squirrel for somebody right now and has been releasing videos. That amazes me. That they're rehabilitating, and this little squirrel comes out of its cage and sits there and eats all these little nuts and then goes back into
2: its cage. The it's wild, it's wild. Absolutely wild. But yes, I'm ready to release the squirrels. One of my favorite designers of all time is Isaac Vega. I loved his game, Dead of Winter. I love his card game, Ashes. And you remember, that's coming out again, Ashes Reborn. He just announced that he's starting a brand new company along with designer Lindsey Rode, and it's called Rose Gauntlet. Their logo for Rose Gauntlet is one of the best logos for a board game company I've ever seen. I love teal and purple. I love teal and anything pretty much, but it's teal and pink. It has that gauntlet. It has the rose on the back of the gauntlet. It looks sweet. They've already announced some different games they're going to be coming out with these games is going to be a while. So don't be looking for anything this year, but it's so many different types of things that they're going to be doing. There's one called Keystone North America. There's one going to Gaia, uh, which is a video game. Tony, they're actually going to start developing video games and this is going to be like a deck building type video game. So I think it's really cool that these designers on board games are kind of getting into video games because so it's just a huge market. So I can't wait to see about that. Uh, there's also Life After Dungeon, which looks like this really amazing art on there. Of uh, looks like a Native American warrior. Prince is like in a, looks like a tomb or a casket. It's just, the art's just amazing. Go out to rosegauntlet.com and you can see the covers of all these pictures. Then there's also, there's other upcoming projects going to be going out there. So make sure to check out rosegauntlet.com. Tony, it just looks great. I, I'm excited for Isaac. We haven't heard from him in a while and I can't wait to see the types of games he comes out with. Very exciting. I am hope Isaac keeps up going, gets uh, games out there for you and I to play. He's already told us, hey guys, I'd love to come on and tell you about some exciting stuff that's going on later on this year. And I said, Anytime, buddy. We can do an at the table with him.
1: Sometimes, Marty, you get something on the doorstep that you are like, oh, is this what this is? And you get very excited. Was it dog poop? It was not dog poop, and it wasn't treats from a neighbor. That's okay. Okay. I received a game from WizKids game called Star Trek Alliance Dominion War Campaign. One to two players. It's by Josh Dirksen and Thomas Goffton, I believe. I believe that's how you say it. And this is a one or two player game legacy style. Star Trek legacy. Oh, that's all I need. Is it based on another system or something like that? I have not heard of this. Well, they, they did it on their Star Trek attack wing. Mm. and they have these campaign books. So I'm, I'm opening it up and I'm like, okay, so let's see. Oh, the rule page is 39. There's 39 rules. Okay. That's all right. I can make this. So I'm very excited to get into this, but I've got a problem Marty, And I know you got, I always have problems. I'm trying to decide in order to play this, should I go over to Amazon and buy a Captain Picard uniform top?
2: Should I get into it? If you're going to stream this, which now I highly recommend you should go and make sure to follow our Twitch stream now because we have the affiliate stuff turned on so we can go out there and create some special emotes and everything. So, yay. But anyway, if you're going to be streaming some of this stuff, then you must have a shirt. Yes.
1: But it's a legacy game. So should I do that? That's the challenge I'm having. I'm very excited to play this.
2: Well, that's up to people. Maybe P, uh, people don't have to tune in if they don't want to, since they know it's a legacy game, or they just maybe want to see you uh, play a game. Now, do you need Attack Wing models to play this? It
1: comes with Attack Wing models. And after you're done, you can t- use these models into Attack Wing. So if you're familiar with the Attack Wing concepts, there are some changes, and it's all about the campaign. You, you're going to be a, I'm going to be Captain Dower of the Starship. Of course. Grumpy. I don't know. I've got to come. I've got to come up with a good starship name. I was going to come up with, um, Sade, like Sad Day. I don't know. I'm going to come up with something, and maybe you'll remind me how to do this twitchy thing, and I'll do that. So I'm very excited to be playing Star Trek Alliance
2: Dominion War campaign. Since I've been doing a lot of Nintendo Switch reviews on our YouTube channel for games, every once in a while I'll get offered like a key for like a video game here and there. We just got offered one, a game called Rogue Book, that is now available as a demo on Steam. Now, this is a Kickstarter campaign from 2019 uh, for a video game that was helped design by Richard Garfield of Magic fame. It was delayed. It's just not coming out this year. It's supposed to be in 2020. But Tony, have you played Slay the Spire? Yes, I have. Okay, so you know, Slay the Spire is basically a roguelike game with deck building mechanics. You start out with a basic deck, as you do your run, you can morph your, de- your deck you and get new cards, modify your cards, etc. you try to beat monsters. This is pretty much the exact same vein, except it's now based on a map. Randomly generated map every time you start your run, there's a fog of war on the map. And as you travel the map, the fog of war can open up. There'll be shops out there to buy new cards. There'll be uh, places out there that can change the existing cards that you have. You have random battles that you can see on the field. It's like, here's a random normal battle here. If you go and fight, you get some money, you get some gems and everything that you can use to allocate, uh, lock into your cards. You can build up your deck again, just like Slay the Spire, but now there's this whole map involved. And so you try to explore and open up as much of the map as you can. You can always have access to the final boss on the map. And when you feel like that you're ready, when you feel like that your deck is ready to go, you go and face the boss to see if you complete the run. Now, what's cool about this is unlike Slay the Spire, where you just kind of have this a tree that you kind of branch as you go up. It all leads you to that top path. Basically, you can just grind out the map till you feel like you've leveled up and, and ready to go and go take on the boss. It is really cool. And the demo is out there right now. So Tony, you may want to try this. It's pretty slick. And from what I understand, it may be coming out on the Switch. Oh, it better come out on the Switch if you want me to play it. Yeah, but anyway, again, but from Richard Garfield, if you like Slay the Spire, go check out Rogue Book. One word on Steam right now.
1: Speaking of legacy games, we continue to play My City, and we continue to do it virtually with our friends. I got mm. them some boards. On the weekends, we'll go ahead and play the next chapter in My City, and before we get together, I either um, try to mail it, or actually, we try to meet and give them the pieces that they're going to need for the following thing, Marty. And one of the things I wanted to do, the reason why I'm bringing this up is this game is amazing on its balance. Now, if you haven't played My City, and I know you haven't, you might... I want to get this one for you and Vanessa because it's the, what was the word you try to use? Polynomial, polynom, poly what was the
2: word? That you- <laughs> I said, yeah, it was worth $5 last time. Polynomial. I went polyamino. Either way, it's got those Tetris pieces. No, it's not either way.
1: It's polyamino. Okay. I'm not paying anybody for that card. So anyway, <laughs> it's a balance. I was at the end of the pack. And by now I've caught up with everybody. Mm. I didn't realize how well balanced it was. Even Donna made the comment. She goes, I'm amazed at how much ground you've made up. I guess they've got it so well balanced that when I mess up that I came in last, I got the right bonuses. But now that I'm coming in first, y'all are getting it. So we're neck and neck as it's coming. Now I have no idea how this game's going to end. I haven't paid any attention to that. My challenge is, and I made this comment and Donna says, "Eh, I don't know if that's really right. But I'm like, for me it is, is how well do I play the game we're doing now? I am not. I don't care what they're doing, how they're placing their pieces. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if I can get as much on my board as possible and what my highest victory point totals are at the end of that game. If I score really well with that, then I am proud of myself if I didn't win, I didn't win. I didn't care. And then I get to put stickers on a board. So I'm really excited about how this is going, where it's going to go. Once we're done with the legacy, I don't know if we'll continue to play. It's hard telling. But once again, if you haven't had a chance to get My City by Reiner Canizia from Cosmos, recommend it. Everybody's been talking about this game. It's kind of
2: falling off the radar. Go check it out. Tony, a piece of our childhood is coming back on February 19th to Disney Plus as they have announced they're going to release all the original seasons of The Muppet Show.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people that are guest starred on that are now dead?
2: Wow. Gee, are you serious? <laughs> that is your first comment. Literally, that's your first comment. Tony, this is exciting. Our childhood is coming back. And you're like, a lot of those people are dead now. Thank you. I'm sorry. I mean, it is one of the things.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about it. But- I'm sorry. It's just one of those things and it just makes it, uh, me feel old.
2: Then good. You can go back and relive these people's glory days when they were still around and guest starring on The Muppet Show because we have all five seasons. Tony, I didn't realize this. I never realized that the final two seasons were never released uh, on like VHS or anything like that to, to be viewed. And to be honest with you, I have not viewed any of these original shows in decades. I'm worried they have such a fond childhood memory for me that I'm worried they will not hold up when I go back and watch them again
1: oh of course not they're not go- you'll pay, take snippets of it like when John Denver was on there and they did the a grandma's feather bed or pigs in space, some of the jokes so are some of the jokes are you going to find funny? But you know we're gonna love Waldorf and Statler.
2: Oh yes, uh, uh, of course they're gonna be. In fact, what we need to do is like take notes of all the things they say at the mm-hmm. very end of the show and incorporate them uh, into our show here. So uh, I am excited. The original Muppet Show. I remember as a little kid. I remember uh, the when it came on. I remember I'd be, like be riding my bike and I make sure to take a watch with me so that I can make sure to be home by seven o'clock when it came on. So I can come in and sit in front of the TV to watch it and get excited about who the guest was and it'd be somebody I never heard of like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. But I still in, in, enjoyed it anyway. And I just, i always never forget when when uh, Mark Hamill was on there, uh, Luke Skywalker, and they had like, I think R2-D2 and stuff on there too. That was just amazing.
1: Anyway, I'm excited for it too. I can't, like you, is it going to hold up? I find out on this February 19th on Disney+. All right, Marty, we thought the GameStop news was big, but here's something else. And I'm, I'm not saying good or bad. I just, I don't understand it. Okay. Okay. Our sponsor miniature market has picked up come on's game hate. Yes. And when I went to the Kickstarter page, it said, Hate was going to be a Kickstarter exclusive. Okay. I'm confused. Is a Kickstarter exclusive mean that it's only going to be sold on Kickstarter? Or does that mean that it's a Kickstarter
2: exclusive, meaning anybody can buy a whole bunch of them and sell them however they want. So you're catching me with my pants down. Uh, I have not looked into this at all. I don't know. Did you happen to go and look at the update on the Kickstarter page where it says, Hey, by the way, in case you missed it, it's no longer a Kickstarter exclusive. Uh, miniature markets going to be carrying it also. I did not dwell that deep because I wasn't a backer and
1: I didn't go look at the updates or anything like that. So I know Mm -hmm. you can't look at comments if you're not a backer, but either way, you know, some people, if that was not stated, they're not going to be happy about this. Are they? They're going to be like, "Hey." I thought you said it was only going to be a Kickstarter exclusive, and I paid hundred and fifty dollars for this, and yet Miniature Marker is selling it for a
2: hundred. That might ruffle some feathers. I mean, it's funny. I just have, did a quick search on Amazon. Yeah, you're even on people that are selling Amazon says it's a Kickstarter exclusive. So I, I don't know. Did they just have a a bunch left over, and now it's like they got a deal with them? I, I went and looked at the update page. It has been an update since February. 24th, 2019. So no, it's not like they posted a, an update or anything like that. But yeah, I guess if you missed hate and you're interested in it, it's, uh, and you're into that world, that universe you can now, and you missed the Kickstarter, I guess you can go pick it up on a uh, miniature market. Yeah. the discount. So definitely.
1: And I don't know when it came out to everybody and when they received their packages. I just, I find it interesting. So it's, it's one of those things where it says Kickstarter exclusive, but is it? Hmm. Interesting. Maybe the SEC will investigate this as well.
2: Gong, Is that what this sound they use for uh, uh, Law & Order? Yes, that's it. Gong. <laughs> Ignacy's been teasing it for quite a while. Vienna Connection, a detective-style game that is now, right now, this minute, available for pre-order over at portalgamesus.com. Why, why is it when I click on it does it go straight to the order page? I hate it, Tony. I hate it when the banners they automatically rotate, and as soon as I go to click it, it rotates to the next thing, oh, yeah. and that's not what I wanted to click on because I was going to click on Vienna Connection, and I ended up on the Robinson Crusoe page because right as I clicked the bump banner switched. so Hold on just a second. Okay. Sounds like PortalGamesUs.com needs to redesign a page there. No, no, it's fine. It's just it just the banner rotated right as I clicked. So yeah, if you want Robinson Crusoe, you can get that too so where's the freaking price hold on (laughs) there's a bunch of unlocks let's see uh wow yeah yeah there's tons of unlocks going on here every day there's new things that's opening up oh look there's uh, there's a watch it played ad showing that he's going to teach you the rules okay whatever he's like on everything Tony that watch it Played logo is like oh, plastered everywhere. how much does Rodney pay to get that up everywhere I don't know
1: but this is for Portal isn't it this is for Portal yes so so look at go support Portal games go to their website buy their games so that they
2: can pay Rodney <laughs> Jeez. So again, you can go over portalgamesus.com, pre-order it right now, you get $5 off, it's 45 bucks. Bunch of pre-order bonuses are included. In fact, if you're gonna get a Portal Game, you'll wanna pre-order it because Ignacy includes all those sweet pre-order bonuses. Like for example, that pre-order bonus for 51st State is one of the best ever and people are just jealous of all the sweet tokens that we got because we pre-ordered. And if you didn't, well, you're not going to get the sweet tokens. So Vienna Connection, pre-order now. Go get it. PortalGamesUS.com
1: So my wife is joining me for a discussion on a game we played lately called Meeple Land. This is from Blue Orange Games. It was designed by Cyril Allard and Frederick Girard. In this game, you are designing an amusement park, someplace that my wife used to enjoy and I never really enjoyed because it had a lot of rides that made me sick. So that was a problem other than when Rebecca was really little and I could handle those rides. But overall, an amusement park is not someplace I want to be.
3: But you went almost every weekend, took your little girl.
1: But that's because I gave you time To yourself, that was our thing to do. Go to Burger King, get some mini cinnamon rolls, and then head over to the amusement park.
3: And you loved it.
1: Oh, yeah. Except when I got caught in the Jungle Gems thing trying to chase her down. Not Jungle Gems. What what are those things where you're a big ball pit? Do you remember Carowinds had this huge ball pit? And she went scampering up this one time, and I couldn't get through the hole. It was not a good thing. I didn't know how that was going to go. I thought maybe Carowinds would have to cut me out. But Anyway. I digress. Meeple Land. This has an aspect to this game that you love.
3: Yes. Putting puzzles together.
1: So you're snapping pieces together?
3: No, but you're putting tiles together to form a path. It has a little bit of a, um, what's that game I like where you build the river and the roads? Carcassonne? Carcassonne, yes. I love that game.
1: I would like for you to get off the basic game of Carcassonne. Everybody keeps asking me, when is she going to move forward? When are you going to get past just the river? When you get it out. No, I, I said, you want to play the farm. And you go, no, let's not play the farm meeple. No, no,
3: you don't. You just go and get it and you assume that.
1: But the farm's not even part of the expansion. The farm is where you lay down the people and you have to calculate all that area. I'm glad we don't because that's complicated to me. The farm in Carcassonne where you're laying the meeple. Yeah, and
3: we know you hate complicated games. I'm not
1: a, I'm not a fan of complicated games, but it's <laughs>
3: a. <laughs> such a liar.
1: It's a tile laying game. So th- this has tiles in it. What else does it have in it?
3: Meeple land? Well, this is true.
1: What's our objective here?
3: To build an amusement park. How do I win? (laughs) (laughs) The same way you win every game, scoring the most victory points.
1: You sound like that's a bad thing, though I'll admit this is something I always say. It's
3: redundant over and over and over every game.
1: Okay, well, so that brings a good question. If this is redundant, scoring the most victory points, would you say that it was fun, though?
3: Oh, it was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I just say that because you always say at the beginning of teaching any game, the objective is to score the most victory points. Like, you have to tell me that after 30 years.
1: Well, okay. We've been playing My City. Is it to score the most victory points?
3: Um, they're not really called victory points not sure what they're called. Uh,
1: uh, I mean, we get the most points when we lay down tile pieces. I've been putting a lot of tile games in front of you lately, haven't I? Yeah, you have. I mean, the other one we played recently was New York Zoo. New York. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. Remember that? That's one of the few um, games I actually win when I teach you games.
3: Yeah, we've been doing a bunch of Tetris type games, too.
1: Well, Tetris is one of your favorite games.
3: Yeah, I, I love a good puzzle.
1: All right. So in this game. On your turn, you can do one of three things. The easiest thing to do is pass, but you don't want to do that right away. Then that would
3: make four things.
1: Well, there's, you can buy a tile, you can advertise to get meeples to come to your park, and then you can pass.
3: You can buy land. I would consider that
1: buying a tile.
3: It's not really a tile.
1: Let's say you can buy something. Is that better? Is that better? That's better. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Man, she's being being tough on me, people. By the way, people like hearing your reviews because a lot of people say that a lot of people can then equate games that maybe their significant other would like. Well,
3: it's because I like games that the average person would like, where you and Marty kind of go for these games that are just weird and over my head. And I have an engineering degree, although that doesn't mean much at this point for me.
1: How'd you do in Ticket to Ride when her daughter was here?
3: Um, I think I got stomped.
1: <laughs> our daughter stomps us every time.
3: I think she almost doubled my score.
1: No, she doubled your mother. No, she lapped your mother. She
3: lapped my mother, yeah.
1: So, and I covered that on our um, return to the air show about how our daughter just is a um, tremendous in ticket to ride. Oh, back to Meeple Land. That's what we're going to talk about. I was wondering,
3: about. are you going to talk about Meeple Land?
1: So, Meeple Land, you can buy something. And you can buy three different size of tiles on your turn. Now, you have a currency, you have money, and these tiles cost varying cost. So, you can get a two-by-two, a two-by-one, or a one-by-one. On these tiles, there are 12 individual or unique types of rides or attractions.
3: Yes, and you want to try and collect as many of them as you can because you gain victory points based on your variety, not... Um, groupings or um, anything else. So having the same one doesn't do you any good.
1: I mean, that'd be kind of boring. I mean, how about, uh, well, I don't know. The same type of roller coaster would be kind of like, well, let's go ride the Cyclone. Oh, well, let's go ride the Cyclone too. It's the same freaking ride. That'd be kind of boring, wouldn't it? Because you'd want some variety. That's how you get. The more variety you have, the more victory points you get. (laughs) Imagine how that works out. So these rides, though, when you place them down, they have paths to them. And these paths, will you got to come into the park, obviously, through your entrance.
3: And then you need paths for your meeples to navigate the park and get to your rides and your restaurants and your gift shops and your toilets.
1: It's good to have a potty.
3: Everybody needs a potty somewhere.
1: If I ride a roller coaster, I'm going to need someplace because it's not going to go well for me. And I know this. So your meeples certain ones, when you place them on their rides, they may say that, hey, there's four colors of meeples. This blue meeple will ride this roller coaster or this meeple will ride this roller coaster only if he has a toilet connected to the roller coaster through a path. That's very thematic if you think about it. (laughs) Or this meeple will ride this Ferris wheel only if there's a gift store nearby. Sounds like Disney. And if you place it well, They will come, right? Right. So you get these meeples coming to your park. Based on the number of meeples in your park, you get money at the end of a round that you can then use for the next round to buy more attractions to attract more meeples. Correct. And it's important to note that meeples are also victory points. Yes. And certain meeples are worth more victory points than other meeples.
3: Yeah, which makes it hard sometimes because sometimes the busloads of meeples aren't the colors that you were hoping for.
1: Right before the round begins, these buses have all these meeples waiting to come into the parks. And when you pass, you get the option of picking any bus that you want that's out there. And if you're the first to pass, you get the first pick. And they have various, it's either a blue bus and pink bus combined. And so you have to take into account when you're buying pieces, hey, I need blue meeples, so I better get that bus. But when you're buying... If you got all these green meeples outside your park waiting for rides that they want, you're going to need to find a piece that offers it for green riders, right?
3: Yes. And so, you're trying to get variety. So when you're um, adding your pieces, it, the ones that are displayed might not be exactly what you're wanting.
1: Yes, that is Cause true. Because you
3: only get to pick what's turned up.
1: Right. You can't just... Take from the very top and say, I'll take my chance. And there's no way to wipe the board and, you know, display a bunch of other tiles.
3: Right. And at one point we had two of the same thing. And then I think at one point we had like three gift shops showing.
1: It's good to have these little shops come in because certain ones will have certain paths to them. Because there's negatives if the paths go into oblivion.
3: If it dead ends into something.
1: Right. If it dead ends into another tile. Then that's a negative at the end of the game. So you got to be, you got to put the right pieces. So if a tile comes up and you're like, man, I could, I really could use the pirate ship, but it's got three paths. And if I buy that, then I may dead end it somewhere.
3: Yes. You have to be very strategic in picking your pieces. And you can
1: orient Which is what I like because it's a
3: strategy game.
1: It is. And there's more strategy than people would realize to this, right?
3: Yes. It looks very simple, and it is. It's very easy to play. It makes a lot of sense, Um, very easy to teach, but there's strategy to it, to the pieces that you place based on what buses there are, what meeples are on the buses, lots of um, components to it that I liked.
1: Yeah. And as the rounds, there's only four rounds, if I remember correctly. Yes. And as the rounds progress, you're not getting any money at the beginning, like in the first round, I think you get 16, then you get 10. It, the the money is actually generated from the meeples in your park in the later rounds.
3: Only on the last round.
1: Right. Yeah. So, well, you add it. At I think you
3: get like 15 the first round, 10 the second round, five the third round, and then nothing the fourth round.
1: And, but once again, you well, you get that money plus the meeples in your park and some of the rides, if you have the right color meeple on, there's a little dollar sign next to it that gives you an additional dollar. Yes, so that's part of the strategy too. It's how to generate the money so you can get the next
3: piece. See, like I told you, lots of components that are strategic.
1: Right now, when we played, I never expanded my park. You always buy an additional tile of a, I think it's a three by three.
3: Yeah, I haven't. Um, I almost did it one time, and then I realized that there was. We were getting ready to go into the last round. That it really didn't make sense. I mean, it's nine dollars to buy the extra piece, and that takes one of your turns instead of expanding your park. So in the couple times we've played this, I've not seen um, where extra land was needed. I think if you were laying out your park poorly, maybe, and your paths were going somewhere and your hands were kind of tied that maybe you needed to add a piece of land. But if you're Filling in your board well, I don't see where you would ever need to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. But then again, I'm not the best player of these games at times. As Carcassonne history has shown me, Meeple Land has shown me not not a good puzzle layer, you know, just not something I'm very good at putting these little pieces together and hooking up these paths. And then I'll, I'll buy one and I'll look at it and I'll go, well, darn it, that path's not going to go anywhere. There's nothing. That, wait a minute, that path. Can't even go to the connect to the rest of the park. And if that happens, you can buy an additional entrance. You can add entrances. If you buy a piece and suddenly there's no way for your meeples to get to it, you can add a new entrance. You can open up a new entrance.
3: We never hit that point where any of us did that because we were being so good about laying out our pieces. So,
1: Mm -hmm, because we're we're experts.
3: (laughs) You don't give yourself enough credit. You do very well in Carcassonne and you did very well in this one.
1: I came close. That's all that matters. I like to finish a close It was second.
3: a tight game. The yeah. first time you and I played, it was a tight game.
1: And the games we've played, they've always been tight. Even when we played with four people, it was a very close game. Yes, it was. So that's another bonus to this game is you know how tight. Now, there is a, a final action you can do or another action besides buy something or pass. There is a way to advertise. If you advertise, you will, can spend money to get meeples into your park and that is from the tile the one by one tile that is laying face down there's two colored meeples on there and you can spend two or three dollars and they automatically come into your park which was very helpful mm-hmm. that was very good and one of the things that i think is great for me is you are never restricted by oh i've placed a meeple that meeple will always stay on the ferris wheel no they can move around the park You can reposition them however you want.
3: Which you will do in later rounds after you've added things like um, the gift shop and the um, restaurant. restaurant.
1: Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a a fountain, which is anybody can visit the fountain piece. That's the only one by one where a meeple can go. Thematically, what do you think?
3: I loved it. I love a good amusement park too, though. Mm -hmm. Not as much in my old age as I did before, but it was fun. The artwork is cute and fun. And um, the paths go together very well, and I like the theme and I like the strategy to it. I, I
1: agree. I, I love the artwork to this. I found that the um, rule book was awesome. Not that it was quick for me to find any clarifications I needed. Um, I meant the first time we played it wrong. I, there was something I was messing up, and that was how to place the meeples. You know that you had to have it connected. We messed that up, but we got it right the next time.
3: Um, the only thing we messed up was that we thought we could place the meeple if a gift shop wasn't necessarily on the board, um, but that you just didn't get the extra dollar for it. But it turns out you can't place the meeple if the gift shop's not there and it indicates a gift shop.
1: Exactly. Overall, I will play this game anytime. It's a fun game. From the standpoint of where is the replayability? I mean, the amusement park's not going to change. The 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 uniqueness of the tiles will not change. It is the paths. And it's how to figure out how can you mess somebody else up. Like getting the bus before they do.
3: Right. And we played it with uh, just you and I. And then we also played it with two other people. So it changes it when you play it with four people because the pieces turn over more. Um, which was kind of nice. That is the one thing I would have to say when we played it just you and I. We didn't go through the pieces as fast. So it was harder to get the variety of pieces um, because they weren't turning over.
1: Yes, I agree. Because it was just kind of like we're stuck with pirate ships.
3: Yes, at one point there were like two pirate ships showing out of three tiles, and I already had the pirate ship.
1: Yeah, and then I'm just looking at this. We got a log flume, we got rocket ships, roller coaster. I'm trying to think what else oh bumper cars
3: merry ground mm-hmm. ferris wheel
1: it's not a bouncy house but it's a pirate castle so I guess it's a playground great game Donna enjoys it I enjoy it Meeple Land by Blue Orange Games give it a
0: Y'all, it's time for another episode. Of, whoa, whoa, oh, wait, whoa. wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not an intro. It
2: is. Well, uh, well, it's an intro,
0: but not to your episode. episode. Yeah. yeah this... You put me in front of a microphone, and I just <laughs> automatically. Hey, y'all, it's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names.
2: Automatically go to that. And how do you pronounce the name of this game that I have to mention during the intro? But you can <laughs> you can announce the name of this game that we're going to cover in this review. Well, we've been
0: saying. Umbra via.
2: Umbra via, which we looked up means dark path. Dark path. But it's funny, when you look at the cover of the box, it doesn't resemble a dark path because there's like these vines and pretty flowers. Beautiful
0: flowers. But here's the thing. If you start going down a dark path, mm. there might be some beautiful things that pop up that are dark underneath.
2: Oh, Like temptation?
0: I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I was thinking more of a rose is
2: beautiful and then there are thorns on it. Now, I will say that when I brought this game out, I know that you love to play a game that has a theme. It's like, what is this game about? And to be honest with you, this is really at its core an abstract game. The theme isn't really, it's kind of like they try to put a theme on there with the pieces and everything, but it's really an abstract game that plays anywhere from two to four players.
0: Yeah. And so here's another thing about, I generally like themes. I generally do not care for tile placement games. Right. And so you brought this out and I was like, it's tile placement. I really like this game. And like a rose, you look at it, and it's pretty, and you get started playing it, and you think, oh, this is fairly easy, but you get into it, and then it's a little prickly like a thorn, and you have to think about what you're doing. (gasps) Boom, drop the mic, go buy the game. Don't drop the mic,
2: because I have to replace it.
0: (laughs) It is a nice mic, so I won't drop it. Did you know that every rose
2: has its thorns?
0: I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) And the thing is, okay, listeners, he makes those kind of jokes all the time, all day, every day. What kind of Y'all joke? are probably laughing. We do not laugh here at the house at those jokes, <laughs> even though I'm laughing now. You, you mean whenever
2: I... Uh, any joke. Insert a, a lyric any, to a song. Any, any, any time? joke. Any joke. Any any song, well, that's, lyric, that's joke That's why I love it when listeners say Hey, I enjoyed your episode, it made me laugh It's like, well good, because I don't make anybody laugh at my house Hey,
0: let's talk about this game Because I really did like it, and we played it uh, twice mm-hmm. We played it two-player And we played it three-player And there are different rules for two-player versus
2: Yeah, there's a yep. special two-player variant uh-huh. uh, Three and four-player plays mm-hmm. the exact same mm-hmm. way
0: And I liked the two-player variant Well, we'll talk about that in a second Before we get into that at Little Prickly Thorn, let's talk about more than two players. More than you two players.
2: To? Yeah, let's talk about All more right. than two players. So like you said, there, Go for there it. are <laughs> these tiles, and these tiles are paths. The paths are curves. They're straight lines. They have intersections. Each round of the game has three phases to it. So at the very beginning, four path tiles will be displayed out on the board for us to bid on. And at the very beginning of the game, each of us are given a very nice little cloth bag oh, here. Oh, yeah. And with, the colors are beautiful.
0: I don't know if we talked about it enough, but the, the art is beautiful. The flowers are very realistic. It's a beautiful game, a beautiful top. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. What's so funny is, though, you got these really colorful flowers and everything, but the game board is dark. It's black and gray. Because the path is dark. Umbra via, <laughs> Yeah, so they have these nice little components. They're, I guess they're like flowers, and there's two different colors of flowers. Uh, there's an energy flower, and there's a soul flower. And the soul flower is a slightly muted color of your base color. So if you're playing blue, it's dark blue and light blue, dark purple, light purple, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. When you set up the game, you've got some tiles off the side of the board where you're gonna put 11 of your soul flowers, which are the light color ones. And those are the ones you're trying to claim over the course of the game. If you can empty your tile of all those, you're gonna win the game.
0: Which is a point that you liked. You said, Oh, I like it. it's not victory points, just whoever clears this tile first.
2: It's a race. Mm -hmm. Which is another thing, I I am really getting into games recently where there's not victory point calculation. Isn't Mm -hmm. it nice? Just like, you see the game coming to an end. It's like, oh, wow, I see Adam or Vanessa's tile is about to be empty. And as soon as it's empty, that triggers the game and the game over. That's it. There's no at the very end. Okay, how many bonus points did you get for this or anything like that? So I'm really enjoying these types of games right now. Straightforward ending. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have four tiles on the board that you're going to be bidding on. During the bidding phase, all of us are going to blindly draw three of the flowers out of the bag. Most of them are going to be the dark color, which is the energy flowers. And there are a few soul flowers in the bag.
0: Now, we've said in the past that this was, and I could be wrong, but uh, we call this our tableau. A tableau is something you... You look at? Something you
2: put down on the table and put stuff on.
0: And this is hiding your bidding it's a bidding board. A no, bidding it's not board?
2: a bidding board. It's a player screen. <laughs>
0: right there in the book,
2: it's a right player there in the screen. Book. It's a player screen that hides the bidding board behind it.
0: Well, let me say that they're beautiful. The artwork on that is beautiful. So when you look at other players, you're looking at beautiful flowers. I thought that was really neat. (laughs) So
2: you're going to put the four tiles out on spots one, two, three, and the four in the middle of the table. And then your bitter board also Mm -hmm. has the same sort of uh, Mm -hmm. indications, one, two, three, and four. You'll take the three flowers that you drew and place them anywhere on those three spots. All of you reveal... And then you transfer your tokens from mm-hmm. your bidder board to the actual tiles themselves. Yep. So if I want to bid on tile one, I'll put you know Place one on to three one. Yep. flowers on that spot and then transfer it over there. Then we're going to have a second bidding round. Mm-hmm. And after that bidding round, uh, we're going to see who has the most flowers on each of the tiles. Whoever has the most gets to claim that tile and place it on the board. So I like this bidding phase right here because at the very beginning of the game, you're just like, what tiles are Vanessa going for? So you have that round one. would you like to know? I know. Well, after round one, I have an indication (laughs) where you've placed some of your flowers. Yes. So then we go to the second round, draw three more tokens out of the bag, and then bid secretly behind your player board, reveal Mm -hmm. again, put them out there, and then resolve. Now, this is where... Soul Soul flowers flowers. Mm -hmm. come into play in that soul flowers count as two tokens and a regular energy counts as one. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at each of the tiles and I like how this is done too. And this I love it when there's these rules that pop up. It's like, why is that rule there? And then you go, oh, that's why that rule is there. You're going to resolve who won each of these tiles based on the fewest tiles that's on there. So whichever tile yeah. has the fewest is is Gonna resolved first. first. Whoever has the most is resolved last. And what that's cool because if there's one that has a lot of tokens on there, it means a lot of people really want that one, but that one to be the last one placed on the board and somebody before you can mess up the place you want to go with it. Absolutely. Yep. So then we're going to look at the, we're going to resolve which tile is going to be resolved first. Then we're going to count the number of colors. I'm going to act like we played a three-player game because the two-player is really different. Okay. Um. So in a three-player, let's say we have a three-player game. Let's say there's three different color tokens on there. Whoever has the most. Again, if you had the soul flower on there, which is the lighter color, it counts as two. Mm-hmm. In case there's a tie, there is a tiebreaker off to the side. Whoever has that tiebreaker will get that tile and then move to the bottom of the tie but now we didn't stack. say
0: but we didn't say the tie breaker is each person puts one of their tokens here just off to the side of the board. And I forgot how we decided randomly, which one st- randomly just randomly
2: drop one was and then, first,
0: second, third, and then if you're used to break the tie, you just go to the bottom.
2: Then that person can place the tile on the board. If there's no tiles on the board, they must place in one of the four center. This is a four by four grid you're gonna place the tile on, and it must be one of the four center ones. After that, every tile must be placed adjacent. And here's another rule I really like. Let me say it. Let
0: me say it. You cannot rotate the tile. You have to lay it down just as it is. Mm -hmm. So that eliminates a lot of overthinking, which I do. Like, how am I going to rotate it? Where am I going to place it? You just have to... Put it down there
2: on the dark path. And there's some people like me who want to visually see how that's going to work. And then you have to pick it up. And if we could rotate it, you'd rotate it around. Mm-hmm. How can I make this path work? Nope. It's just literally sliding straight down from the bid board yep. down to the place and you and you put it right in place. So it cuts, cuts down on downtime and it's just less things you have to think about.
0: Now, I don't know if you said this, Marty. So we use our energy flowers and our soul flowers to make the bid. Okay, so then when we win our tile and we go to place it, the sole flowers are removed. Mm-hmm. They do not count in flowers that are left on the tile.
2: Yes, and that's did you impo- say that already. I did not say that. Okay. I'm glad you did because those are removed from the game. Period. Mm-hmm period. You're going to take that tile with all the flowers on it. Mm-hmm. Even other opponents mm-hmm. will slide down on the board. Mm-hmm. Now, here comes a really cool part. When you place the tile, if you end up completing a path, and a path could be curvy tiles and straight lines. If you block off all ends of a path you what's going to a summoning phase, and I remember we we could not figure out why is this called the summoning phase, and I don't think we ever figured out why.
0: Yeah, we came up with lots of cool stories and <laughs> thoughts, but I I know I turned it into Arkham somehow, but it's not. <laughs> it's just just like a uh, I don't know. Okay. Don't
2: know. <laughs> so here's the important part of the game. This, it
0: summons the end of that tile.
2: I guess so, or the end of that path.
0: The end of that, that path.
2: path. Yeah, a path can be basically one tile and it, it could be, be one tile you, we had one earlier we played it's like eight tiles long or something like that it was ridiculous the the path that we had it was awesome you're going to count all <laughs> the different colors along that path and you're going to rank them all right so
0: <laughs> I'm just tickled because I said it was awesome because I won it you pretended like I didn't say anything. actually I didn't
2: even hear that part <laughs> okay and I'll still pretend I didn't hear that part <laughs> so <laughs>
0: I'll take a sip of Diet Dr. Pepper.
2: Ooh, and I've got... What
0: have I got over here? I've got
2: a a Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Major Melon. you
0: got the Major Melon. I love this thing.
2: Yeah, We got a taste test on this last episode. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Good stuff. All right. So you're going to count up all the different color tiles on that path. No, no. Not the uh, the different colored flowers on the tile. Whoever has the most Mm -hmm. is then going to claim their color soul flowers off that tile that was set aside I talked about earlier in the game where you're trying to claim them all Mm -hmm. to win the game. Whatever the length of that path is, you get that many tokens. So if the path is four and I come in first, I claim four of my soul tokens off of my tile Mm -hmm. and they're going to go back into my bag.
0: And whoever comes in second gets half of that rounded rounded down. down.
2: Yep. And then if there's a third place... it it will keep on going. I don't
0: know if we ever had a third place.
2: We never had a third place because it wasn't ever that long. Because if you, I guess if you did a four, you would go from four to two to one. So if you had a four in a three player game, somebody would get four, somebody would get two, somebody would get one. Now, if you and I tied, let's say for first place, we both get the full length of the path. Okay. And then second place would get uh, one half of that. So again, you're trying to complete paths, have the most of your color flowers, on that path in order to claim those soul flowers and there's 11 on there that need to be claimed and once that's claimed there's going to be an empty tile left and this is this is also an interesting rule too you would think okay the game is over at that point no because you actually have to claim the tile that the 11 soul gems were on and here's the rules for doing that you must come in first on a completed path and that path must be at least two tiles long so, what that keeps you from doing is a cheap win of a single tile and do one tile path, claim the last one, and you win the game. You still must compete in order to come in <laughs> first place. I just threw it on the table.
0: Yeah. Ca- Marty stayed here talking to just threw- <laughs> uh,
2: to claim that was funny. A, a tile that's at least two. So, that's kind of interesting because when we played the three player game, I can't remember who finished clearing off the tile first. It was either maybe you or Adam. But anyway, at that point, I think it was Adam. And then I'm trying to block him at that point. It's like, I got to make sure he doesn't ever win any path that's greater than two, because then he would just outright win the game. Mm-hmm. And so then, the, then it goes back to the bidding. It's like, I'm going to bid on that, try to block him, because I see that's that one tile he can get in order to complete a path. Or what you want to do is bid on another tile that has fewer flowers on it to get to place it first and block the path that he was going to go. That's where the strategy really comes into in this game.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. My mind went to another song, because much as you don't want to talk about it, we do have to mention something here for that game. Okay. Uh, We played this with Adam, and we were really getting into it, and Adam asked you, when a path is completed, it needs to be resolved immediately. Yes. And the first time we played it, Adam asked you that, and you said, no, they're all resolved at the end of the Once all the tiles are placed, then we look and then we see if any are completed. So that's how we played that game right until the end. And then at the end, suddenly, now any of y'all who've played with Marty, y'all know this. Suddenly, then he looks, oh, wait, no, I read the rule wrong. It needs to be resolved immediately when it's completed. And guess who won the game? It was you. So it was tainted. So now I'm thinking (laughs) of tainted love. Whoa!
2: touch yeah, me, baby, tainted, tainted, love. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, for anybody that's ever played a game with me, mm-hmm. that's, that's Y'all pretty much you know what our, we're talking well, about. Yeah. It
0: goes one way the whole game. Suddenly, last five minutes, Marty remembers a rule or uncovers a rule, and he wins the game. And I literally wanted to flip the table. I'm sure Adam <laughs> did too, because I think Adam was going to win. But Marty won. So then we played two-player, and I claimed victory, oh, and I got revenge.
2: It wasn't even <laughs> close. So in the two-player variant, this is different. You don't play by the exact same rules. There is a third neutral player.
0: Okay, so hold on. Okay. So that was, did we finish everything and oh, tell from, from...
2: I yeah. think so, because we went through an entire round and you trigger the end of the game by claiming that last tile where your mm-hmm. 11 soul gems are on. And like I said, I don't know if I talked about clearing the path. Uh, when you After you resolve a path... Everybody yeah, takes their flowers that were on that path, puts yep. them back in their bag, and those tiles are removed from the board. Oh, yep. So then, in a two player variant, so three and four players play the exact same way. Two player variant introduces a neutral player. So you set up just like you're playing a three player game, but now instead, Vanessa and I split some of these neutral colors of this neutral player and put them into our own bag. And when we so bid. This
0: neutral player, the same. It's still two colors mm-hmm. dark for energy, light for soul. We just now have a phantom player right that we are both controlling
2: and their colors are in our bags and when we mm-hmm. draw from them we may draw the neutral colors right and when you place a bid what you do is they tell you in the rules is to place those neutral colors closest to you on the tile so you can see whose is who mm-hmm. and when you count you're going to count those as part of your bid and or see who claims it but once the tile is put on the board nobody owns those neutral colors anymore And the neutral color will actually start claiming its own mm -hmm. own soul flowers.
0: Which at the beginning of the game, you're like, I don't want to get the neutral colors because I need my colors out mm-hmm. there so I can get the points. But then once you get into it and like mid game to end game, then you can realize you can use those neutral against your opponent opponent. Yeah. Yep. So that the neutral would win the path instead of the,
2: yeah. So it does add a little bit of a twist. It's definitely more thinky. I believe with two players personally, I think I like the three and four player game better. I think it's just a little more straightforward. Well, I also love the interaction. When you know, you're know you bidding against an extra person, it's always fun. I'd love to play four player to see how four, it'd be crazy the number of bids that goes out on the tiles at yeah. that point. I'd
0: like to play four player, but I liked the, I like two player just as much as the
2: It as definitely the three
0: works. It b- you better like it because coming up pretty soon, it's only going to be the two of us. So it's only going to be
2: two player. So it's just going to be just the two of us? Oh my we can God. make it if we try, just the two of us. I'm sorry. Say it. I'm so sorry. Say it. Though.
0: I'm not saying it. Here's what I'm are. saying. I am thinking that you forgot to say something. Okay. When we bid on the tiles, and they're numbered one, two, three, four here, and if there is a tie in the number of flowers on a tile, the tie is broken the one furthest to the left.
2: I did not Get say that. that. I will say all tiebreaker rules are very straightforward in this game. Yes. Very straightforward if, yeah. if you're... Tie with may somebody be
0: explaining them much more complicated than yeah. what they are written. Uh,
2: like you said, and when setting up, which tile is going to resolve first? If there's a tie, it's the one furthest to the left that resolves first. If there's a tie of the number of player flower tokens on the tile, then you have the little track over here of tracking who wins. And then uh, once they went break a tie, they go to the bottom of the tiebreaker list. And then if you're resolving the path, if there's a tie, you both just share. So, very straightforward. Oh, it did say by chance, there could be a, a tie at the very end of the game. If both people claim their tiles, their soul tiles at the very end of the game to trigger the end of the game, you just share the win.
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right.
2: So, that makes it pretty straightforward. Yeah.
0: I know that you don't get- Which I like. Uh, I, I like know you, everybody I, wins. I know everybody I, everybody <laughs> wins. Everybody's happy. Is there a song for that?
2: Um, Because um, I'm happy?
0: Don't worry, be happy. Don't
2: worry, be- Well, no, because I'm happy. It's the, uh, the penguin- oh. Uh, yeah, song. yeah. 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 By Pharrell with the hat. Who did Don't Worry, Be Happy? Bobby McFerrin. I oh. just pulled that. Did you see that? I just pulled that right out of the air like that. There's no edit. Unfortunately, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it from right here across the table. So you love thematic games and you're not really into tile placement games, but here is an abstract tile placement game that you. Absolutely loved. Yeah, and it's I only I place, really it, it. plays 30 to 45 minutes, so it's a fast game. It is. There's not a lot of downtime because everybody's nope. bidding at the same time. Yeah. There's not a lot of downtime because you can't rotate the tiles. There you go. It's literally <laughs> going to pick up a tile and place <laughs> There's it. There's
0: really not a time for our overthinking.
2: Nope. Or analysis paralysis. And the bad thing about these abstract games, uh, it's like, you know, at the very first round when four tiles are out there, you're probably like me. It's like, I don't know which tile to place because the board's empty. You know, which tile do I even want? But after that first round, when I see, oh, well, Vanessa didn't bid on the third tile. Well, that gives me a chance to possibly get it. But then I start overthinking it. Well, wait a minute. Will she bid on that third tile too? Because there's nothing on right there. So anyway, it's one of those things that with abstract games, sometimes it's hard to get started. But then once the game gets churning, you know, you start to kind of get a strategy at that point.
0: It's not a big box. It's easy to store. Sets up easy.
2: Nice cloth bags to store all the components. You literally just... Uh, toss the tiles in a box. You have your components in the little cloth bags, fold up the board and put it in the box and it pisses away. It does have a nice insert. They did come with a little nice insert for stacking up the yeah. uh, tiles and everything inside of it. That's good. So that is Umbravia or Dark Path from Pandasaurus Games from designer Connor Wake plays two to four players. Two player variant is just a little bit different, but it plays in 30 to 45 minutes. of so Vanessa, I know you're not a big tile placement game, but since you like this one. I did like this one. Does that mean the next time I bring out a tile placement game for you to try out, will you? You bet I would, Marty. You better, you better, you bet. Oh, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we said, we are recording this uh, on my uh, birthday, and Vanessa and the family threw me a wonderful birthday weekend in the way. Vanessa kicked it off, is she knows my love of popcorn, Tony. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens uh, right down the street from the school that she works at is a place that sells flavored popcorn. So she went there and uh, bought a bunch of bags and surprised me that night and came home with, and all these flavored popcorns are amazing. So she got one of the basic cheese and caramel. You know, your typical Mm -hmm, cheese and mm -hmm. caramel popcorn, right? Well, for the weekend, she got me birthday cake, uh, which is basically... Tastes just like birthday cake. There's little sprinkles on mm-hmm, some of the mm-hmm. uh, the popcorn kernels and everything. She knows I like banana pudding. So she got mm. me banana pudding popcorn, which is actually one of the best of them all. My son loves cotton candy. So she got uh, him cotton candy popcorn. Adam loves eggnog. So we got some eggnog Popcorn. I know I kind of raised my eyebrows of that one, too. But if you like eggnog, it tastes like eggnog. Okay. Vanessa likes lemon poppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she got her like a, a lemon poppy. And again, it's like when you taste it, you go, yep, that's exactly what it is. Because we're from the South, Vanessa had to pick this up because we love it. Cheer wine popcorn. Ooh. He says he makes all these in the store. This is a local person that makes mm-hmm. this. And basically he takes the cheer wine and, and breaks it down into something and it's able to coat popcorn with it. And then when you eat it, it's like, yep, that's Cheerwine. Now, Cheerwine was the probably my least favorite. It's like, that is Cheerwine, but I don't know that I want Cheerwine popcorn, Mm-mm. but it's exactly what it is. It is Cheerwine popcorn. And she also bought what is the number one selling flavor. And I was totally surprised by this. I would have thought cheese caramel, butter popcorn. No, he said the number one selling flavor in his store is dill pickle popcorn.
1: Ooh, interesting. Not for me, though. No, mm-mm. but oh, okay. Dill pickle. huh? Do you like dill pickle?
2: No, I'm a bread and butter kind of guy. I'll eat dill pickles, but I prefer bread and butter. But yes, dill pickle popcorn. I was just surprised. I thought it has to be the cheese and caramel or even the birthday cake, which has a nice flavor. Nope. It is Dill Pickle Popcorn, the number one seller in Fort Mills, South Carolina. And what's so cool is this is a person who opened up the store a couple years ago. He's opening up two more stores, uh, one near downtown Charlotte. So you, sir, maybe it'll be close enough to your office where you can go uh, check it out. And there's a one. He's also looking at potentially another place in Waxall, which is near where I live, which would be nice. Okay. There is a gourmet popcorn
1: store in Belmont. Near where where I live and which is near Nellie's, which is owned by the Jonas brothers. And, Mm -hmm. um, I've yet to go in there. Every time I go by there, it's closed because it's only open, you know, I think up till like seven or something. And we're, if we go do dinner back in the days when you could go to a restaurant and do dinner, just I'd always missed it, but I've always wanted to try the various flavors, the banana pudding. That sounds interesting because basically what you're doing there is you're getting popcorn dessert. 'Cause normally yes. normally all you think about is just popcorn with either butter and salt.
2: That's it. And it's very good, but it is it is sweet. It's like one of those things that after I've had it, I want some of more of the savory flavors. Mm-hmm. It's like I always finish off with a little cheese and caramel because I just need that savory. Yeah. So how does that work on your calorie count? It's birthday weekend. Uh, Weight Watchers was turned off. Done. <laughs> Dude, I had a thick piece of pound cake. I, was, you know, I totally blew that. I got, I'll get back on it tomorrow, February 1st. Oh, that's right. Your
1: birthday month started January 1st. See, my birthday month starts tomorrow. We're going to do birthday months
2: around here. There's too many people living in this house. Every month would be a birthday month. So have you noticed how your taste buds have changed over your years of aging? Uh, I guess. You guess? I don't know. I can't think... Yeah, I can't think of anything recently that I dislike now that I didn't used to or vice versa. So
1: I've, I'm, I don't know if mine have deadened over the years, but I know like I used to not be able to eat very spicy food. Correct. I, I could not eat spicy food. It, I, It didn't taste good to me. So now I can. I can eat a Bojangle spicy chicken. I don't think
2: that's that spicy. Bojangles spicy chicken? Growing up, it was very spicy to me. I didn't like it. It was too hot. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't know there was a Bojangle spicy chicken. There's a
1: Chick-fil-A spicy chicken. Bojangles Cajun. Cajun. The Cajun. Oh, just
2: their regular Cajun chicken I couldn't you couldn't take? It. No. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah, no, I could not handle that. Well, my taste buds have changed. I can now handle mm-hmm. Cajun flavored Bojangles. I can now also, Donna has asked me to start trying because I've actually enjoyed it these various curry pastes. And all curry is Ugh. is a gravy.
2: Oh. I do not like curry.
1: I didn't realize this. Supposedly, curry is a gravy.
2: That's all it is. It is. But typically, curry is made out of... What spice is it that, that you don't like? I don't. Is it is it curry powder? I don't know. There's a flavor in every curry dish that I had that I do not like. And I swear, every time I say I don't like it, somebody says, let me take you to this Indian restaurant or something like that, or Thai restaurant, and you're going to like it. And I'll try everything that's thrown my way. I just don't like the taste of curry. You sound like me with
1: all spice. I'm not a big allspice fan, but for some odd reason, we're, we're trying that.
2: I'm with you. I do not like allspice either. Is that is allspice what's used in like sp- makes things spiced like spiced pumpkin and stuff like yeah. that? Is that what that is? I do not like that either. Yeah. Or or, or what's the other one? Anise. Anise is one that I'm like. Ooh. Whoa, whoa! How are you saying that? Uh,
1: with correctly, I believe it's called. <laughs>
2: I don't know. i never heard it's of it. It's not
1: with a U, it's with an I.
2: I believe okay. that's what it is. <laughs> so, um, all right, so you like spicy stuff then. Maybe I need to get Vanessa to pick you up the sriracha. No, that that's, I think let's, let's baby steps.
1: Let's, let's take baby it, steps, baby okay. steps. Now, let's not do sriracha yet. Though I am able to eat some, Buffalo wings. I used to not be able to eat all the buffalo sauces. Ah, yeah. Very good. So I'm hoping that when my birthday comes around, yes, I'm not going to sit there if people post a bunch of stuff on mine and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to put it on the seventh. I'm going to say, if you post here,
2: thanks. Done. I feel like I'm one of those that has to respond to everybody, though. It's just I, it's just me. I feel like I have to respond to everybody. And it's just for me to copy-paste <laughs> to try to come up with something unique. And poor Vanessa, she said she's actually, she's in the same boat I am, but she feels like she needs to make a personal message. No. So she said the day before her birthday, she's going to inactivate Facebook till after her birthday's over. <laughs> I said, smart. <laughs> but no, I appreciate everybody that said, Happy birthday on Discord, Twitter. Thank you so much. It meant a lot to me. It really did. I read every single one of them. Thank you. I I see. And I won't log in in time to be
1: able to respond. There you go. So I'll be able to do that. So yeah. So we got things to do, man. We need to make sure that we get some prizes out from the survey. We are finalizing that. Sorry for the
2: delay, but a lot of that. Except that because people won't give us their stinking address. We have contacted people and we can't do this. I guess we're just gonna to have to cut it off, Tony. We're just going to, because everybody who has been prompted to give us their ad desk, address, we need to start handing those out to publishers. But we're trying to kind of do this at one time, a bulk here. Boom. Take care of this for us. So people win prizes and don't want to claim them. I don't get it. It's like when are the mega millions not claiming it? I don't understand
1: that. So that's fine. We've cut off. We've sent out the first ones. If you didn't respond, tough nuggies. Mm-hmm. So we'll get out the next batch and then we'll start selecting the prizes uh, just randomly as always. And then we'll get them out there. Hey, maybe, Marty, we can just
2: store them for next year. And we got to get this over with because Tony and I have already started creating the list for the Squirrelies. And uh, we're coming up with the uh, the list for that. I know Tony's already starting to uh, create the All Y'all Awards. Uh that we give out every year, and we got to start contacting our presenters to make sure they can do it for the Squirrellies this year.
1: That's right. So, when this releases, the All Y'all should be out. It will be on, on the survey form. You'll see it in the BGG post. I'll put a link to it in these show notes as well. We'll put a link to it on the Discord channel so that everybody will be able to go out there and vote for their favorite game of 2020. And mm-hmm. it is, you can give us three choices you can give us one choice don't care. Then I'll tally it up and that'll be the all y'all award. And that is the rolling dice and taking names people's choice award, basically. Yes, exactly. With that said, (laughs) I got some work to do.
2: Keep rolling dice. (laughs) And taking names. Thank you so much for listening. And again, as we start ramping up for the squirrelies, please go fill out that survey because we want you to participate we hope to get all that collated and all the awards settled and ready to go and the presenters ready to come on for our big Squirrelly Award shows that's going to be happening over the next month or so. Remember to join our Discord channel. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dice and Names. Until next time. Hello and
1: welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 222. miles two, two. Uh, was a mouthful for me. The show must be
3: starting again. <sighs> wow. Yeah, screw okay. that one
1: up. <laughs>